We are who we are because of Jesus, but also because of y'all. I tell people regularly, I've been meeting with some other pastors recently, and I love getting an opportunity to brag on y'all. And not, I think, the way most pastors would brag about their churches. Um, Because what I share with people is that I look around this room, I look at each one of you, and I know you. I know your stories. I know what the Lord's doing in your life. And I see how you respond to his ask when he does. And that, that, to me, is more of a blessing than anything I've ever experienced before. To have a group of people who are also authentic, who are pursuing the Lord, and, and as he leads, they act. And if they figure out that they're acting without his leading, then they go, hold on, I know I committed to this, but I need to back up. And I love that. I love that about the church. Today, we were going to go, uh, uh, we got 20 minutes, and so here's what I want to do. I was excited about the message today. I still am. And I don't want to skip it. So here's what I want to do. We're going to read the first 10 verses of Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10. And I'm going I'm to just suck it in for us real quick. I'm going to give you the main points because I want us to kind of marinate in this this week because it's a significant word for us. So let's read this together this morning. I'm going to pray real quick. And then let's read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 10 together. Father, thank you so much for this church. Um, Lord, when, when we read scripture and we, we see what you are trying to do in your people, Father, I've gotten to experience that here. Father, people that, that know you, that love you, and that are pursuing what it means to be in relationship with you. Father, you've got a word for us this morning, and I don't want to, to skip past that. So Father, in the next few minutes, I ask that you would bring clarity to my mind, that you would give the words that this body needs to hear this morning, Father, that we would hear this message of hope and of joy in such a way that we respond in kind. Father, we love you and we ask that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to hit a pretty good chunk this morning in Hebrews chapter 10. And, and what I want us to understand going into that is chapter 10 is kind of a synopsis of chapter 7 through 9 in the book of Hebrews, okay? And so as we hear these things that he's going to say this morning, your mind's probably going to go, I think we already talked about that, and we have. And so what I want us to do today as we're reading this synopsis is to look at some other scripture, and, and my hope, our goal, my goal, our, my hope is this morning as we leave out of here that something that we all have struggled with our whole lives, that maybe we can put a nail in the coffin, okay? But that's a work that the Holy Spirit can do, not us. And that's what we're relying on this morning, okay? Everybody on the same page with that? We're, we're trusting in the Holy Spirit to do this work in us. And, and I want us to be able to put the nail in the coffin because I don't want us to struggle with it anymore. And not only do I not want us to struggle with it anymore, but I want us to be able to have such a handle on it that we can share it with other people. Um, one of the, let me grab some, the, Leah doesn't use lead sheets and his is turned off. Hold on. There was a line in a song this morning that I, that it just, for me, it encapsulated this. If I can find it real quick, I'm almost, I can't. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about that later. Let's read verses one through 10, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, since the law has only a shadow of good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, they would have stopped being offended, or offered, so they would have stopped being offered, since the worshipers, purified once for all, would no longer have the consequences of sins. But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins 
year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. I want to pause right there. We'll pick up some more in a minute. The author of Hebrews has been talking about in chapter 7 through chapter 9 the fact that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and the perfect priest. That the old covenant was limited in its effect and temporary in its effect, but the new covenant is unlimited and permanent, right? And so we have this idea in our minds of something that that was just a rest stop, if you will, a momentary pause in the total redemptive history of God's people, of where this, the blood of animals was offered as a sacrifice for the atonement of sins. And then Jesus comes, and he does what we could not do, and he offers himself. That's where the author is trying to get us to understand. So moving on in verse 5, it says, Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in a whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, God. After he says above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which were offered according to the law. Then he says, see, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So here's what I want us to see this morning. These, this is kind of my two main points for today was, is that we still struggle with sin. It's still a problem in all our lives. And, and like we talked about last week, until Jesus comes back on the earth, we still got to deal with the consequences of sin. The second point I wanted to make today is that, uh, or part of that is that our attempts at goodness are equivalent to sacrifice. I want you to hear me on this. The problem with the sacrificial system was that it was limited and it was temporary. People would, would make the sacrifices, but it didn't mean anything to them. It wasn't really a sacrifice. And what I want us to understand in our own lives is that we attempt to try to be something for God, to do something for God. It's like us making a sacrifice. It has no value and no meaning. In Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, it says, Obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. We, we understand that, right, about the law, that it just points out sin. We've talked about that a lot in the book of Hebrews and a lot prior to that. The problem with us trying to be good enough for God is that we're using, trying to use the law to elevate ourselves to a higher place than we are. It is our attempt to try to please God by looking a certain way or acting a certain way. That's what Leah was talking about this morning in her previous church experiences. And we've all experienced that. It's not unique to her. What God wants us to understand is that we don't have to try to be good enough. Christ did that for us already. And the second point today that I wanted to make today is that the problem of sin has been fixed already by Jesus. There's no reason for us to try to do something for God because that something that needed to be done was already done. There's two pretty long passages in Romans that I was going to read this morning, and I, I'm happy to give those to you. But I, I want us to, to, to be able to narrow this down this morning. I want you to just understand this, that what Paul says in the book of Romans is that we are only made right by what Jesus has done, not by anything that we could ever do. 
The struggle that I was talking about that all of us still struggle with is the enemy is in our ear constantly saying, you're not good enough. You need to do better. You need to be better than what you are right now. And we interpret that as in God wants me to be X, Y, Z. And then we try to live out our lives that way. We try to be something that God hasn't called us to be. And when we're doing that, we're adding to the gospel. It's like God is saying, do this. And you go, yeah, but I also have to do all of these things. I wanted to share a story with you this morning that really illustrates this point. And it comes out of um, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15. When you get time, go back and read this story. I'm going to just tell it to you briefly. But Saul has been told... Two people, guys, two important guys. I'm sorry, I'm back up. Samuel is the prophet, and God told Samuel to anoint Saul as the king. So Samuel is going through that process, and God tells Saul through Samuel to go and defeat the uh, um, Kimmelites. Okay, huh? Amalekites. I'm not looking at them, sorry. He tells him to go and defeat them, and not just defeat them, but to kill all of them and kill all their animals. Okay, and, and that may seem harsh, but you got to go back to when they just came out of Egypt, God said, here's the promised land. I promised it to you before you went into Egypt. Now you got to go conquer it back from these people that have taken it over. That's the short version. Okay. So Saul goes in and he kills all the people, but he saves the king. And then he and the troops go through and instead of killing all the animals, they pick out the choice animals and they keep them for themselves. And God speaks to Samuel and says, I've had enough of this dude. We told him what to do. I told him what to do and he didn't listen. So Samuel goes to confront Saul. Right? And when he gets there, Saul's like, hey, dude, Samuel, I'm so glad you're here. I did everything God said to do. And Samuel said, stop. Just cut him off right in the middle of it. The king says, stop. Because he was lying. God gave Saul a very specific set of commands. Go kill all the people and kill all the animals. And when Samuel confronts Saul, Saul's like, oh, it's the, my troops. My troops did, they, they, it was them that picked out the animals, but we were going to sacrifice them to you, right? He starts making these excuses. And at the end of that story, in verse 23, um, says, then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Here's what the Lord wanted to speak to us today is that our attempts at goodness are just like the sacrifices. And God's not interested in that. He's not interested because the sacrifice has been made. It's not necessary. It's not needed anymore. And so he doesn't need you to try to be anything. When he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus, and he loves you just the way you are. Now, Paul talks about this in Romans, and he says, does this mean that we should go on sinning because we have so much grace? And he says, absolutely not doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be Christ-like, that we shouldn't let him work in our lives. But what it does mean is that we don't have to add to what God's already done. God's pleasure in us, the righteousness that he sees, is not because we make meager attempts or even our best efforts. That's not why God sees us as righteous. He sees us as righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross and because Jesus is sitting in heaven next to him doting on all of us and saying, you see this one? You see that one? That one's mine. Let me tell you how great they are. He loves us. He loves us enough that he made the sacrifice that we deserved. And so my hope for you, I, I really I would appreciate it if you guys would, would go today and read that story in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and see 
once and for all, that God is not interested in what we have to offer in terms of our good works. What he's interested in is in our heart. And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. We talk about that in this place as abiding. To hear God's voice, to do what he says, to see God do what only God can do, and then fall deeper in love with him. That's his desire for us, is to know him. And we've come to know him by obeying what he says, by asking Mike to fix the air conditioner, by obeying my wife to make a Christmas list and then God giving me what I hadn't even put on there yet. Church, I can't say thank you enough. In case y'all didn't know this, my primary love language is uh, words of encouragement. So I am full and now I'm going to go home and make a stew in my new pot. (laughs) And then I'll be full here too. Church, I love you so much. And, I, I, and I'll say on my behalf and on Bethany's behalf, we love you guys dearly. Y'all are our family. Um, and it's our desire that all of us could come to understand this, that we can be done once and all with the guilt and the shame that comes from not being good enough. And I'm putting some air quotes out there for those that are listening to the podcast. God loves you just the way you are. That's the same message we're going to hear over and over and over again from him because it's true. So this week, as you're spending time with the Lord, let this marinate in your soul. Go listen, go look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, and look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. Let this sink in. God's not interested in our works. He's interested in us, just us, and that's enough. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful that we get to to live this life with you. We are, we are so blessed beyond measure. Father, I am overwhelmed with love right now from my church body, which is them just being them and you working through them. And Father, I, I want them to know that I feel your love through them. Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross and thank you for, for being so good that you love us even in the middle of our sin. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Amen.